You are listening to Episode 8 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field, and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer, and let's get to the show. If you caught part one of this mini-series, you heard all about how to build your team and how to start that process of delegating from the ground up. So whether you're already entrenched in a successful business looking to scale it, or you have aspirations of starting one, delegation is such a key piece of the puzzle to free you up to focus on what will move the needle towards your dreams and to do the things that only you can do. But this week in part two, we're talking about what do you do once you have that person or those people on board? It doesn't really matter if you're bringing in someone to prep your food in your house or do some laundry to help you, or you're hiring a virtual assistant to work within your brand. Casting that vision for your team, no matter how small it is, and creating a culture within it has to start with you. So I'm giving you an inside glimpse into our world and our team and telling you the many mistakes I've made, so hopefully you can learn from them, and the groove that we've since found and why it's helping me grow my business exponentially. Today's episode is sponsored by my seven-day ditch-your-day-job planner. Over the last seven years, I've researched, I've worked alongside some of the best leaders in different industries and learned all about what it takes to create a life of freedom and fulfillment. And I've compiled the knowledge, the experience, the tools, and the how-tos into a seven-day course that is specifically designed for the go-getter who is ready to lay that groundwork for breaking out of their nine-to-five-day job and bringing their idea, their passion, their purpose, or their business to life. Whether you haven't even gotten anything off the ground yet or you want to go next level in what you've already created, you will spend seven days with me building out your plan to be able to ultimately ditch your day job. This is the blueprint. I have been there. I was stuck in that cubicle life. I had this aching that I knew I was made for something more and was being called to take some major, major leaps in my life. My only regret was not starting sooner. So I wish so desperately that I had something like this to speed up my process from day one. And I am doing something extra special for my listeners too. You are going to get early VIP access to my seven-day Ditch Your Day Job Planner And that means you get it at my limited time VIP pricing too. So you're going to get over 50% off just because you're my people. And I totally want to see you live your dreams. Now on to the show. I talked a little bit last time about what inspired our shift into delegation. We had gone to Shalene Johnson's Smart Success Conference where it's all about working smarter and not harder. And I really liked the sound of that because I had been in hustle mode for so long, building my business, getting it to a place where I could leave my full-time job and having it provide for our family that I was like nose to the grindstone all the time. And I thought that was a feather in my cap as an entrepreneur. Like, oh yeah, I work an ungodly amount of hours. Like you wouldn't believe how much I work. But I wasn't really thinking about the dream I had for my family and my future, which was to build a business that would allow me to work less and make more. So when we went to this conference, it totally opened our eyes to what's possible as far as starting to delegate and bring other people into our business and into our lives that could do 
the things that were either slowing us down or that we weren't good at and pass them off to people who were better at those things than us so that we could move the needle more quickly and more effectively. But when I first started this process, I didn't really lay the groundwork. We came home from this conference totally on fire with this concept of let's bring people in. Like my husband was on board, I was on board, we were excited, and we just wanted to go on a hiring frenzy. And we didn't lay the groundwork first. And I want to help you guys do that piece of the puzzle so you don't make some of the somewhat expensive mistakes that I made in the beginning. One of the key things you want to do is to have a long-term vision in mind. Even if you can only afford someone to come into your home and nanny your kids five hours a week, let's start there. Like wouldn't five uninterrupted hours towards your dream, towards your business, be really valuable to you each week if you could be effective with that time? So let's say all you're doing is bringing someone in for five hours a week. Even though that might be all you can afford right now, I want you to seek out someone who's going to come into your home pretending like you're bringing them in 40 hours a week and like they're going to be a part of your team and your family. That's how you want to treat those people and bring them in because you could settle and say, oh, they're just five hours a week. Like as long as they keep my kids alive, I'm good. But what you want to do is start to lead with a mentality of a, a business owner and someone who wants to create a culture that they appreciate within their family, within their business, within their team. So hire with that long-term vision in mind. And once you have people, treat them like they're going to be around forever. Treat them like they have the opportunity for growth within your organization, even if your organization is a itty-bitty idea that's just starting to bud. I'll give you an example. So when we first started this process, I knew I needed to bring someone in. And this was actually before Smart Success. I had started the delegation process, but very poorly. I had no idea what I was doing. I just kept hearing all these other business owners say, oh, well, I have an assistant or I have someone who does that for me. Why are you doing that for yourself? I'm like, okay, I should get someone that does those things so that I don't have to do them. Not only did I not set the expectations in my own mind and the vision for what I wanted it to be like, but I also didn't think through how to not only hire that person, but bring them in in a way that they would be super excited to work with me, to work towards the vision I had for my brand and my business and the mission that was the foundation it was all built on. So I brought someone in that had the skill sets. I looked at their resume. I saw that they were good at the things that I wasn't so good at. So I thought I was filling a gap within my business. I ignored some of the key signs that they weren't the right fit. And when we would talk on the phone or meet, I found myself dreading those meetings. And I didn't know why. This person was a really good person. It just, it was never the right fit. And I never took the time to, one, train them properly, which I'll talk about in a minute, and two, really set the feel for what I wanted the culture to be, even if it was just that person and me working together. It doesn't have to be some big team. I talked about in part one when we brought in our first housekeeper, and it was this feeling of like, okay, not only am I not using the time that they're filling by taking care of some of the tasks that I hate having on my to-do list, but I'm like 
dreading being in my own home because of the energy they bring to the table. And I had never set that foundation and that expectation for the culture that I wanted to keep. So that's a big piece. And you have to do a little bit of visualization and picture what do you want this look like? Like, who do you want to be working with? Who's that ideal person? They don't have to be you duplicated. Like, likely they will be a different personality type. And that's okay. And you have to learn to work with different personality types. I'm not saying go find your clone because you guys would love to go out and like grab a beer after work. But what I am saying is you need to know the energy that you want to be around, the work ethic this person has, the flexibility they have, like all the things that are important to you. Figure out what you need and what you want and have that in your heart and your mind before you go into this process and before you even start training them. Another good thing to do when you're laying the groundwork is to have your template and your tools for hiring in place before you do it. I think one of our mistakes was we got a little knee jerky because we got really excited about this process. Like we were at a place where we could afford to start hiring and it was like, okay, we want to do this. We want to bring in a team. Let's go. We need these tasks done. And we didn't really think through how to do that. So I shared in part one, you can listen to that episode. You probably want to listen to that one, go back and listen to it. So you have a good foundation of how to bring people in. But the freebie for that episode was the template that I created when I was hiring someone within my business that you can use to craft your own template so that you feel in control of what you're asking for and what you're trying to tell people I do not want. So have all that stuff in place ahead of time, but also don't hire out of desperation. Like delegation before desperation. Do this before you get to a place where you're like, I can't function anymore. I need someone to come in and help take care of my home. Or I can't do this anymore. I absolutely have to have someone help me organize my email and keep things on track. I need a VA. Because then you're going to be hiring from a place of desperation and not from a place of vision. Okay, so now you have I say your team. This can literally be one person. This can be one person coming in who is folding your laundry each week or (laughs) prepping your food. Like I said, it doesn't have to be someone coming in as a marketing manager within your business or an entire team of people. This can be one person. This could be five people. This could be a hundred people. I don't know where you're at. Only you do. But no matter where you're at, to go next level, it always makes sense to continue to grow in this realm. The second thing you want to focus on is getting your team on board with your vision and your mission. And I totally missed the boat on this when I first started this process, but it's so powerful. If they come into an organization and they are given their role and their tasks and their daily to-do lists and there's minimal communication with you and They don't even know what exactly you do or why you do it, but they know that they're there to support your process, but they're never informed or enlightened or empowered by your mission or why you brought this person on board, not just because of their skill sets, but because you see an opportunity for growth for them, or you're super excited to have them on board because you see that they are going to play a key role in helping you live out that mission and serve more people, it's such a different feeling for them. And I used to go through the weekly tasks list. Even 
the two women that I talked about last week, Amy and Danielle, who were like by my side every day each week. When we first started together, I had failed to do this. And they were just workhorses. Like they got their list of things they had to do each week and they performed those tasks and they passed them off to me. And that was kind of our process. And then it hit me like, why would they want to work with me? Like, why would they want to show up and be excited for this? What's giving them the drive to want to be a part of this? I wanted to work with people who could have a long-term vision with me, even if they don't ultimately stay with me forever, because that's just not reality sometimes. I want them to come into it excited. Yeah, sure. We all have to do mundane things within the work we do. So they, I'm sure, have tasks within my business that they don't love to do. But when you're doing tasks for a greater purpose, you can do them with more joy. You can do them with more understanding of why you're showing up to do them. And I hadn't done that for them. I hadn't laid that groundwork. So the first thing I had to do was come up with a mission statement. Like they need to know what they were even a part of. I didn't want them to just like be doing these tasks and not even know why and not even know what like mission they're serving. So I came up with a mission statement and we talked about it. And this was a course correction for me. This was not something I did from the beginning. And it's a little bit tougher, I think, once you have the wheels in motion to do this, but it's so worth it because I was able to humble myself and go to them and say, listen, guys, I've done this wrong. And I'm really sorry for that. I want you guys to be excited to be a part of this with me. First, I want to tell you how great you are and how incredible the work you're doing is, but I don't want this to just be work. Do you guys have an understanding of what we're working towards? And then we talked about it. And the next thing I did was I created a manifesto for our team. I shared last week all the different people we've hired. There are a lot. We have a pretty big team. We run a couple businesses. And they're at a level now where we need a lot of support. But the ones that I'm referring to today are the two that work most closely with me. They're not just contracted. And they are very much a reason for this mission coming to life. Like without them, I truly believe that I would be in a very different place in my business and not nearly as as good. So we created a team manifesto. And I We came up with a name and we call ourselves the masterminds because every time I connect with them each week on a Zoom, because we don't live locally together anymore, we get to see each other's faces and we know that this is a mastermind meeting because it's not just me coming to the table telling them what they have to do that week because who the heck would ever be excited about that? I remember working in corporate and having a manager who did that. It was like, Elizabeth, here's your list of crap. Go do it. And it was like, oh, this is empowering. Like, I really love this. So our manifesto is this short little piece of paper just breaks down what a mastermind is and what a mastermind is not. And it's just written out and I'm going to share it as a freebie today so that you guys can get an idea of what I'm talking about with this. But it says things like, We are resourceful, assertive, and proactive. We don't wait for a problem to arise or an answer to be given. We have confidence in our ability to figure it out. We work equally well with our teammates as we do on our own, united but independent. And it just kind of goes through the different qualities that a mastermind would have. You know, we believe in each other. We lift one another up. We bring positivity and energy to everything we do. We communicate openly. We are honest. We are kind. We are fierce. And that way, 
Not only can we look at this manifesto anytime we start to wonder what we're a part of, but if we hire more people, if they don't fit this, they're probably not the right fit for our team. And these women, I know they truly define what a mastermind is. They do these things. And yeah, we all have our weaknesses and our shortcomings, and it can be hard to stay on track with living up to what we've written out for this, but we can come back to this and it dictates our team culture. And that's been so powerful for us. So make sure you grab today's freebie. It's elizabethhartke.com forward slash podcast forward slash 008. And you can snag this manifesto so you can have an idea of exactly what I'm talking about and how to use this to help you craft that team culture. I actually heard this idea from entrepreneur Russell Brunson, and he's someone who's done this within his organization, and I really liked it. So I've kind of made it my own, and you can take it and make it your own. But it's so important to get them excited about the role they're going to be in. This is their life. This is something that they're utilizing as a livelihood for them. The same way that you have a dream, and you have a vision, and you want to break out of your nine-to-five, or you want to build something that's going to make an impact on the world. Give them an opportunity to do that too through your mission. Don't assume that they're just coming on to make a paycheck. You don't want people to come on who just want to make a paycheck. You want people who are going to align with you and your vision and your values and that manifesto that you create for your mission and your business. Okay, so that's the fun stuff. You still have to train your team. And I think this still to this day is one of the toughest things for me because I don't want to do it. Like every time we bring someone new into our home, whether it's, you know, someone we brought in a farmhouse manager to help us stay on track with the the house and taking care of the property and meal prepping and house cleaning and laundry, or someone that I'm bringing into my business that I need to do very specific tasks that really require like a lot of training. I dread the process. I magically want someone to come in that is somehow going to just look at me and know exactly what needs to be done and do it better than me. And I never have to check at all. Like that would be the dream, but that's not how it works. So you have to give them a chance. I worked in a job in corporate marketing once where I came in and they gave me no training, none. And they just would lay these tasks out in front of me and then get really pissed off at me when I fell short of what they were asking for. Even though I hadn't been trained in their systems, I didn't know exactly what they wanted and it was really vague and it used to be so defeating. Every day I would come home on the brink of tears because I'm like, I'm a failure. I can never get it right. My manager's never happy with me. And it was just this constant feeling of I'm in the wrong place. Why am I doing this? I just am doing this for the paycheck. And it was horrible. No empowerment whatsoever. So set them up for success. Leave enough time in the beginning. Again, don't hire out of desperation. Delegate before you're desperate so that you can bring them in and and give them the guidance and over-communicate expectations with them and give clarity of what they're doing regularly. It's okay to be a little bit of a broken record in the beginning because they're still learning. Think about how you would want to be treated if you were coming into a new position like that where you don't get to dictate what happens and how it happens. They're coming in and they're working with you and you dictate that culture. You dictate 
the tasks and what they look like and how it works. So you have to then transfer that knowledge to them. And you want to ease into it by walking them through one thing at a time. I think when you throw too many things at them at once, it can be really overwhelming. And one thing I did and ultimately learned to do that I found really helpful so that I could reduce the amount of time I had to spend training someone, but still give them an opportunity to learn and fact check it over and over until they got it right was, for example, delegating something specific to your business that you already do. Let's say it's the way you want your email organized and you have, you're bringing in a virtual assistant, or it's a task you do within your business each day or how you run your social media, any of that kind of stuff. Take a screen capture as you do it. So taking like a video on your computer or your phone that captures what you're doing and and actually commentate, like talk through it as you're doing. Okay, now I'm going here and I'm doing this and this is why I'm doing it. So you have a video that lives on that they can reference over and over until they feel confident in that task instead of having to go to you and ask you every time. It makes it more comfortable for them. It makes it more effective and quicker for you. And it's also a training tool that you can use when you bring other people in too. And if it's something in your home that you're delegating, show them how you want it done. Don't say, go do my laundry and then get annoyed when they wash certain clothes that you didn't want washed or they shrink something that they didn't know they weren't supposed to dry and walk them through it. One of my mentors always taught me this principle of I do it, you watch, you do it, I watch, and then you do it. And that was a really effective way not only to learn myself when I was working with him, but then to go on and use that for my team. Because it gives them the confidence that they deserve to have in a position that you want them to be excited about. And as you go, validate and praise. This was a tough thing for me because I don't know why. It just doesn't come naturally to me to continually pat people on the back. Like if they're doing a great job, my natural inclination is like, okay, they're doing their thing. That's awesome. But I don't verbalize it very well. And I'm learning to do that because I know a lot of people, including me, which is weird, words of affirmation are one of their love languages. If you haven't read five love languages, read it. For the love of God, read it. And even though I appreciate words of affirmation, it's not my natural inclination to give them. So I had to learn to verbalize and let them know, hey, you're doing that. That's exactly how I want that done. Thank you. That's really great. Or let them know the areas where they're just nailing it or going above and beyond and not only focusing on the things they're doing wrong. Because I think I got into the trap of like, okay, if they're doing it right, they're doing it right. That's good. They're following directions. They don't need a trophy. And if they do it wrong, I'll point that out so that they can fix it. Well, who would ever feel good or empowered in a position where all they ever heard from their their manager or whomever were a list of things they were doing wrong? Like if you only address those things, it never feels good. And they're not going to be excited to work with you. And they're not going to be invested in your mission and the culture that you're trying to create. So praise and validate when they get it right. Over-communicate with them. And I know I keep referencing my horrible experience <laughs> in the corporate space, but my last position that I finally, like, the one I was my launching pad into official entrepreneurship was just awful. It was just awful. And I had a manager that was a micromanager. 
So I basically was useless because no matter how I did it, they were going to come in and correct it or tell me how I did it wrong or make me fix it. And they didn't lead. They were not just a manager. They were a micromanager. Imagine if you stepped into this role of delegating and bringing people into your life and into your home and into your team and your business with the mindset of, I'm going to lead them versus I'm going to manage them. It's going to be a completely different feeling for them, a far more positive one, one that will make them invest both their time, their energy, and their emotions into what you're working towards together. But it's going to be a different feeling for you. Instead of dreading those weekly catch-ups, you're excited to come to the table and help them grow into the people that they were born to be. That is what you're called to do as a business owner, is to continue to inspire people to live out their purpose and giving them a platform to do it. And when you lead them versus manage or micromanage them, it empowers them to do it too. And the way that we communicate, I mentioned this already, we use Zoom and every Tuesday, same time, we have a weekly check-in. And that's just our way of connecting face-to-face, checking in, seeing how each other are doing, each other's families are doing, what, what we need. And just touching base on the projects that we have going. We communicate throughout the whole week otherwise, but as far as a set time where we can see each other, it's a Zoom meeting. It's super simple and it's short. We try to keep it always under an hour and just stay on task. You also want to come up with your systems for both projects and communication. So we use Zoom for our weekly meetings, but we also have a little Facebook group with just the three of us. That's where we communicate, our core team communicates, and we share projects. We also use Asana. Asana and Trello are two kind of tracking systems that we use, and those are what we use when we're bringing in the people that we contract and subcontract. So they're not, they don't come into our Facebook group because they're not working with us on every project, but they come into our Asana and our Trello. And it's been a really great way. Like with the podcast with Lauren, we're in Trello with her constantly. And it's a great way to check our tasks and all of that stuff. So you find the system that works for you. I know some people that use programs like Slack or text strings. I don't recommend stuff like that because stuff gets lost in the process. But you just find the system that works for you. And you want to do the same thing with your projects. One of the reasons I brought on my wonderful systems unicorn and my operations director is because they're far more organized than me and they're better at creating systems. So they helped me create systems for the projects we work on regularly. So for example, the podcast, we have a very simple, easy to break down system. Everyone knows their their role, their task, the order in which it's done, who depends on whom for what, and it all goes in Trello. And we each have kind of like our checklist, like, These are the things that we have to do to make this podcast go live and get it into the hands of the people who need it. So we have those systems established. And every time a new project comes up, we say, okay, what can we do to make this more efficient? And it's a conversation. It's not a dictatorship. I'm not coming to them saying, hey, we're doing this. I want to hear from them. They have skill sets that I most certainly don't have. And I want to say, hey, Amy, hey, Danielle, hey, Lauren, what do you guys see that we, like, where are we falling short here? Why did this happen? What do you think we could do better next time? And we're tweaking those systems. And then once we get it well-oiled, we've got it. And it's like evergreen and we just roll with it. And it simplifies our lives. And when I go on things like maternity leave or 
take a really long vacation or am off the grid with the family, they can keep things rolling because the system is in place and it's all written out and we know exactly what it is. And it does take time up front to do that. And if you're impatient and disorganized like me and you tend to lean towards winging it as your natural inclination, I recommend you just slow down, hit the brake a little bit and open yourself up to creating some systems within your your business, your life, because it's really going to help you feel more in control of things and have your team feel like they know what they're doing and they're confident in what they're doing. So we talked about getting your team on board with that mission and that vision that you have. How do you continue to cultivate that culture that you want to live on even in the moments you're not looking so that your team feels like they're a part of something special? And that goes for the people that are coming into your home or into your business, or even if you don't have a business yet, and you're just starting that process of getting things off the ground, any human being that you are communicating with and working with side by side, there are certain things that you can do to improve that culture and that feeling that they have that they're a part of something really special. And one thing that I did, I decided to start doing was give the book, I talked about this a few episodes back the book of extreme ownership, because I want everyone that I work beside, including myself, to come into it with a mindset of, I take ownership for everything I do. Because imagine the culture that you will create if everyone is resourceful and honest and takes ownership. And you can work together as a team to solve problems versus people coming in and pointing fingers and saying, it wasn't me. So that was one thing I wanted to implement because I thought it would be a really helpful way to get the ball rolling with the people that I was working with. I also did something kind of into the process. So this was another course correction for me. I created a questionnaire after I had hired them to get to know them better. And it didn't have questions about like resume questions or what their skill sets were or what they wanted to do as far as tasks or anything like that. It was more about them and who they were at the core. Tell me about what you like to do for hobbies. Tell me more about your kids. What is your favorite kind of wine? I want to know what your favorite food is. Would you rather have a day at the spa or an entire day out at the casino? Like, I want to get to know what makes these people tick. And what's your favorite book? Who has inspired you most in your life and why? Because I sent that to the people I work with and I was almost in tears getting them back because I was so upset with myself that I hadn't done it sooner, that I hadn't learned about who these people are that I'm working with, that are working towards my mission. Like how dare I bring them on board and never take the time to truly get to know who these people are at the core. Because what they do with me in my business is such a small fraction of what their heart is and who they are. And in order for me to not only have them want to be on board with me and what we're working towards, but to empower them to become the people that they're born to become, I need to know who the heck they are. And it was such an enlightening few pages of information that I got from them. And I keep it in my desk for each person where I can easily and quickly access it to continually remind me how blessed I am to have the team that I have. 
And when they're having a down day or something's going wrong or there's something to celebrate, I reference that so that I'm giving them what they want. <laughs> like I used to give just bonuses at the holidays and no thought to it and nothing else behind it instead of really understanding what would make them feel appreciated, what would make them feel like they're really special because they are. So that questionnaire was huge and you can come up with any questions you want, but I thought that was a great way to get to know my people and I was so happy that I did it. We talked a lot about including the people that you're working with in the conversation and in the creation process. I remember a little bit of a humbling experience for me when I had a check-in individually with each of the people that I work really closely with. And I asked them, I want to know, what can I do better? You know, where am I falling short as a leader and a mentor and someone that you're working with? And one of the things that they both said was, it would be great if you included us more in the creation process versus coming to us and saying, hey, guys, we're going to do this podcast, and here's what I need you to do to help me make it come to life, saying right at the beginning when that thought enters my mind or, or lands on my heart, okay, guys, this is crazy. What do you guys think about doing a podcast? And having that open conversation. And the reason I wasn't doing it was not because I didn't think they deserved to be a part of the conversation or needed to be or, you know, would bring value to that conversation. It was simply because I was like, they've got a lot on their plate. They don't need to hear my nonsense that goes on in my head. I'll just work on this so that they don't feel stressed by it. And then we'll come to the table once it exists. I didn't know that they would appreciate that. So that's why those open lines of communication and asking them, what can I do better? What do you need more of from me? Really opened my eyes to what I was doing wrong and what I could do better. So that was really helpful. And that along those same lines, we have our weekly Zooms, our weekly meetings, but also find the time monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly, whatever you want to do to have just one-on-one meetings with your people. Really find out, take a pulse, see where they're at, see what they need more of, see what you can do better, give them some positive feedback, and have that connection time, just two of you versus the whole team. Because people are going to share very differently when they're private with you versus in front of other people. They might just say, oh, yeah, everything's fine. So that's a really good rule of thumb that you want to get into. And one thing I've – so my word – I hate this kind of stuff, but (laughs) my word for 2019 is generous because there have been things over the last few years that we've had the opportunity and we've been blessed to be able to give back in certain ways. And we like to stay kind of private about that because we don't need to pat ourselves on the back for what, what we do or don't do. But I realize that that's just such a huge piece of who I am. And who I want to become. I want to be better with that. Because I know it to be true that the more you give, the more you receive. And not necessarily in money, although that often happens. You find more abundance in your life when you give more freely. But you receive so much more in joy and quality of life and fulfillment. And it's just always the right thing. You know, like, I don't think I've ever given freely, like truly freely, like without anything expected in return, where I've been somehow disappointed in the end result. 
So with your team, surprise them with generosity. Go above and beyond for them. And don't expect anything in return. When you're a leader within whatever it is you're doing, you have to understand, don't give and expect to receive. It's just not how it works. Oftentimes, like if you live in that zone where you're like, oh, I gave them a present. I hope they give me a present. Or I gave them a free pass. I hope they, you know, give me a free pass. Don't give like that. That's not true generosity. Give without any expectation in return and do that for the people that work with you because it'll be appreciated. It will mean something to them and you don't need something in return. They're working towards your mission. That's enough. Okay, so that's something that I want to get better at. I'm not perfect at it, but it is such a powerful thing when you do more of that and it will make such an impact on how you guys connect as a team and enjoy that process and grow in that process. One of the things I was most excited about that happened somewhat recently was to get together for a retreat with my core group of people that work with me. So my operations director, my systems unicorn, I decided, okay, what can I do to be a better leader? What can I do to get us together in person? Since I hadn't even met Amy in person at that point, we'd been working together for years because she was my virtual assistant to start. And Danielle and I used to live in close proximity, so we'd get together each month, but then I moved away. So I think that in-person time is so powerful, but what can I do to bring value to their lives? Not just like, what can I do to help sculpt them into better workers for me? Like, that's a silly mindset. It was more like, how will this impact them? And I decided, okay, I love Brendan Burchard. I've gone to almost all of his conferences. I've read his books. And every time I experience something of his, it helps me grow so much as a, as a person, as a wife, a mom, a business owner, just a creative, a leader, all that. So I thought, okay, he has this high performance academy and it's such a tremendous event. What if the three of us went as a little team and we could have time together, we could do dinners, we could do individual meals, just, you know, one-offs so that I could really dive in deep with them and do some growth and learning with them. And we went and it was such an awesome experience for me but also for them. I saw them come to life within our team, but also as individuals. And I love that because I never want to be holding them back from living out their purpose and their dreams. I would love it if they did it within my mission and organization and what we're working towards. But if it's not that, then I believe God has a plan for everybody and I want them to feel empowered to live it out. So we got to do that together and I just saw the light bulbs going off for all of us and we had that time in person to really craft that culture and to really solidify it and to see each other in places of vulnerability and places of excitement and there was just, it was such a growth opportunity for us as a small but mighty team. So if you ever have the chance to kind of spoil your people for a weekend or a few days or in person in some capacity, do it. I wanted to fly them out to it and put them up in a hotel and pay for the event and let them just come experience it with me. And it was so, so powerful for us because so much of what lies on the back of building this culture is the energy that you bring to the table. 
you being the leader, you have to bring that energy first and foremost. And if they're the right people, they will follow suit. So an event like that or a weekend away or a chance to reconnect or rejuvenate or whatever is going to be really powerful for increasing the energy and coming off of something like that with even more excitement for what you're working towards together. And you want to develop relationships with these people that transcend just your business. I think that's important. They don't have to be your best friend, but they're people that stay in your life that you still get Christmas cards from. We had, when we lived back out east, the most amazing house manager. She did a lot of the stuff that our farmhouse manager does here with like meal prep and our kids became like her kids and vice versa. Like it was just such a deep connection and she just became a part of our family. And even now with us living out here, she was going through an incredibly trying time, such a horrible tragedy within her family. And that connection was still so deep both ways that we flew back out east and were able to be by her side through that time. And to me, it's just testament to the relationships you build and the power of that being above all else. Because if you only ever focus on the bottom line, if you only ever focus on what you need, what you have to get from someone else, it will never cultivate into something that can be so magical, not just within your business and the income that grows, but within your life, within your heart. Don't you want to wake up every day knowing that you're living that purpose that you've been blessed with? both in the work you do and the people you serve, including the people who are working with you. So in conclusion, I would say approach this process. Yes, as a business owner, you want to be smart. I'm not telling you to, you know, give away everything in the kitchen sink and to let people off the hook all the time and be overly generous and get taken advantage of. But I am saying lead with a heart, lead with a servant's heart. Even if you're bringing people in to help you grow in your business, do it from a place of love and know when it's the right fit and when it's not. I'm also a strong believer, and this is why I talked about in part one, having that trial period of hiring, that if it's not the right thing and it's not clicking and it's not jiving and it's torture or or they're amazing, they're amazing, but no matter what you do, you can't train them to get the work done that you need done. You don't have to take a bullet. You don't have to like live the next three years like that, paying someone to do something that they're not where they're not performing. But when you find your people, treat them like your people, make them feel as special as they truly are. And this is an area where I put my hand up and say, oh, I have so much growth that can still be done in this area. But I am learning and I have made a lot of mistakes and I feel like there have been a lot of course corrections that have served me and hopefully in this part two you feel that, you've learned from some of that, and you can apply it as you go too. So go out there, make your impact, not just in the world, but within your team, and start delegating so you can take a breath and start to live the life that you're being called to live. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. 
And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all of the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.